You're listening to Environmentally Speaking, a weekly podcast diving into legal matters surrounding the environment, public utilities, energy, zoning, and permitting laws in Rhode Island and the surrounding areas. With your host, Marissa Desitel. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Environmentally Speaking. Hi, everyone. I'm Marissa Desitel, an environmental attorney. And I'm Clarice. I'm coming in with our questions, topics, and comments for the for the pod. What are we talking about this week? Well, hysterically, uh, I didn't know what we were talking about this week. And um, I asked you, <clears throat> and you said, strain on the grid. And I said, great, what are we talking about? And you said, I don't know. This was your idea. <laughs> So <laughs> that's the, I am, that's a little behind the scenes of our of our planning and our process yeah. and how on top of it we can be sometimes. I am organized as usual. <laughs> so, so um, weeks ago, you came up with the idea of strain on the grid and talking about what effects that have because of the the drought episode that we did, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Strain on natural resources, I think, is the umbrella topic for both of those issues. Drought is strain on groundwater Mm -hmm. and surface water. And strain on the grid refers to uh, drought in power, in in, uh, electric power and other sources of power. Um, The grid generally refers to the infrastructure that a utility puts in place to to provide power from the generator to the user. Now, whenever I hear the grid, I always think specifically electricity. Am I thinking too small or is it mainly when people say grid, they mainly talk about electricity? That's right. They're mainly talking about electricity. And obviously as the weather is warming up for summertime, people are turning up and turning on their air conditioners Mm -hmm. So it's a supply and demand of electricity. Um, The grid can become unstable when people are are drawing more power at the same time. There's only so much power that everyone shares. So the the grid is strained and and doesn't it's it's not as stable when it's uh, when it's under that much strain pressure. What does what does that instability look like? I mean, I'm very fortunate in the sense that whenever we turn on our AC in the summer, I don't notice any difference in how we live the rest of our lives. So what does that strain look like? How does that instability affect people? The most common example is a blackout when the the source of power cannot sustain the flow mm-hmm. to the use each user you just get the grid just shuts down and you get a, a, a blackout. Some municipalities historically have put into effect these events called rolling blackouts. I'm sure you've heard of them. Yeah, I've heard of that term, but I don't fully know what that means. Is it is a rolling blackout a scheduled occurrence? Oh, so what does yes. that look like? It's, it's a, um, a planned event where the... utility will target a particular area, a municipality, and let everyone know that, okay, uh, Monday night from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m., 
this particular area is not going to have power. And that, I, I don't understand the mechanics of it because I'm not an engineer, but that it's meant to create or bring back stability to the grid. Huh. Supply and demand thing that. That's such around. a wild concept. I've never experienced a rolling blackout. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we've, I think everybody's experienced times where you've lost power. Um, being in New England, I think we most often experience that during hurricane season or, um, you know, during the winter time and there's too much snow on the lines or something like that, but having a scheduled blackout is very interesting. And I almost wonder if it encourages folks to just leave that area for a little while. Probably. Yeah. Like if Um, I'm not going to have power in my house, but the next town over will. Yeah. Maybe you just plan to go away if you have the money. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, it I'm just happened in Rhode Island. Um, I remember it happening in New York a few years ago. But as um, as the climate change effects are becoming more pronounced, hotter summers are, mm-hmm. are on their way. I mean, we're seeing it right now. This this past um, month is yeah, we had ninety the, days the warmest that our area has seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to get worse. So the the demand on the grid is only going to get more intense. So to combat that issue, uh, government is trying to promote the use of renewable energy to supplement the the grid, to supplement electricity. And um, one of the most contested methods in Rhode Island anyway are solar farms. Why are they contested? They're contested is because um, people are very concerned and and rightfully so with habitat destruction. Mm. A lot of solar farms are sited on pieces of property that are forested because they require quite a bit of room and there's not a lot of open paved parking lots and available for solar in Rhode Island. So projects are being cited in um, rural areas and in areas that are forested and they have to clear cut to put the solar panels in. Are they, do you, and, and you might not know the answer to this, but are people exploring the option of putting these solar panels on top of buildings? Yes. Because my first thought was, you said, you know, opened paved areas. And I was thinking, sure, there's not a lot of that, but there are malls and shopping plazas. And I don't know much engineering wise, but that seems to be a decent amount of roof. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not up on how much room and what Mm -hmm. type of topography you need. I don't know if the, if having a flat um, uh, feature is important. I, I would assume it is. So maybe going on top of buildings at varied heights is not ideal. Mm. Um, but the the interesting argument that has come out of these uh, solar farms, from my perspective, is um, <clears throat> the dichotomy between renewable energy. People assume that it's environmentally friendly. It's not... Um, Renewable energy is something that we absolutely need at this point. We needed it decades ago, but mm-hmm. in typical human fashion, we didn't, we didn't really do anything about it until the last minute. 
And so the result is these renewable energy projects are being shoved down people's throats very quickly. And again, as is human nature, people don't like change. So they kind of, they resist it, they freak out. And in the context of uh, solar farms, they're freaking out because they are seeing forested habitat being clear cut or proposed for clear cutting. The corollary to that argument is, well, you'd rather have a, a renewable energy project there over a subdivision or a, a new housing development. So, you know, what's what's the what's the lesser of the two evils? And it's so really it's really interesting that people think that way. I'd rather have the renewable energy than more development. But there's that third option that nobody's talking about of letting the habit the habitat be maintained. You know, it, either way, it sounds like you're like you said, you're clear cutting, you're causing some harm to the current environment. That third option isn't even being discussed. Right, because <clears throat> it's private property. Mm-hmm. And you can do whatever you whatever you want with your property, yep. right? I mean, that's part of our foundation in this country. But the 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 folks that are me included that are inclined to support habitat remaining, let's leave the forest where it is. I no, I mean, unless you're <laughs> unless you're proposing to buy that property and put a conservation easement on it. Like I would have to go and buy that property, yeah. but no one's offering to do that. So it, it can get frustrating because we need renewable energy. Mm-hmm. We need upland habitat and the money uh, is not with the, the private objectors to these projects. You know, the money is with the, the corporate interests. So yeah property is going to be developed. Yeah. Which is, you know, part of this podcast. It's a bummer resolution. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We are not the good news network you guys go to. No. Um, One thing I will say that I've seen that is really positive is um, I'm sure for people who are kind of local to Mass and Rhode Island um, along the uh, 24, as if you're going into Boston, there are, there's this giant hill that really is just trash. Um, I affectionately call it trash mountain. Um, it was a bunch of buried waste that they, you know, they contained and, and covered up with dirt, similar to that, similar to a super fun that we've talked about in the past. Um, but I've seen more and more of these, you know, trash mountains using air quotes, um, Mm -hmm. get solar farms on top of them. Yeah. Cause there's just not much else you can do with it. You can't, build a whole lot while things are decomposing and, and eroding and things like that. So it's one yeah. use of the space. Yeah. And those are, those are um, also very popular in Rhode Island. Landfill mm-hmm. closures are often coupled with something called a beneficial use determination where you can reuse a site for a particular purpose, even though it's considered contaminated. And that's what, exactly what you just said. What other use are you going to get out of this? It's, yeah. a, it's an engineered cap over an old landfill. It's not like the public is invited <laughs> to come and hike Trash Mountain. So yeah, it does make sense to reuse it um, yeah. if you can. 
And now, do you think from a personal opinion standpoint, do you really think that individuals putting solar panels on their home, do you think it has a big impact? Is it as helpful as the guy passing out flyers wants me to believe? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's helpful. It, it, it assists with something called distributed generation. Mm-hmm. Um, folks are saving on their utility bill. The, the grid is relieved to a certain extent. Um, there are incentive programs where you can get refunded the cost of putting on a new roof or actually installing the solar panels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, cumulatively, anything you can do is helpful. Yeah. And with any other about getting solar panels, I am. So our neighbors across the street are putting in solar panels and, and not to make this sound like a keeping up with the Joneses thing, but I saw that and I was like, Oh, that is a good idea. That's, you know, there was a part of me that was really proud for them, even though I had no weight in that decision-making process and have no yeah. reason to be proud. Yeah. But I was like, good for you guys doing something environmental. I liked it. Um, have you looked into it at all? I've not yet looked into it past all the flyers that the folks across the street keep giving us. So oh. every, every time the installers come in to put in another facet, they put something like on top of our mailbox, <laughs> just letting us know that they're here. Hey, we're here. They can again. help us too. <laughs> I um, would be interested to learn more about that arrangement. Like what exactly the, the incentive tax incentive and um, reimbursement incentive programs are out there. Yeah. How long it takes. Do you need a new roof? That would be my concern. My house is really yep. old. I'm like, great. I'll let me get some solar panels. And the next thing I know they're, they're in your living room in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So find out more. All right. Maybe I'll actually, no, I won't actually talk to them. I'm a millennial. I'll Google it. <laughs> Fine. But, you know, I, I think kind of the takeaway here is with everything, every little bit of conservation and recycling and an alternative energy is helpful, but, you know, we don't want to run into this blindly. You got to right. do some research and, and think about the impact that it'll have long-term. Yes. And it sounds like Rhode Island's getting more and more solar farms or looking into it. So we'll see how that all develops. Yeah, especially in um, the rural parts of the state mm-hmm. because there's more there's more land. Yeah, so on that note, if you guys have any questions, comments, topics, if you have solar panels, tell us about what that was like for you. How did you install them? How did you make that decision? Um, I'm being nosy and maybe I want you to do the research for me. <laughs> <laughs> but reach out to us at help at desateliesq.com. You can hit us up on the socials. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I saw recently there was a post for suggestions on how I can recycle better. So, you know, I see you all. I see you all poking fun at me. It's fine. I'm recycling. (laughs) And nice job getting the uh, the email address correct. (laughs) Nailed it. Thank God this is an audio format. None of you saw my dancing. Uh, Um, No, actually, this is also video now. Well, you know, just going to keep making fun of me. Okay. All right, everybody have a happy Friday. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of environmentally speaking. If you're in need of an environmental attorney, we're here to help. 
call us at 401-477-0023 or visit our website at www.desatellaw.com. That's www.desatellaw.com.